Hello and welcome back to the Bird's Eye View podcast. We are here on Monday, January 15th. I'm Zach Warden, joined as always by Jory Negan-Schechter. Jory, it's been uh, two days since we chatted. How was your weekend? Weekend's been pretty good. Excited to get into this episode. Got a very, very exciting guest coming your way very shortly. Yeah, we're super excited to be joined by Brennan Orff. Today, Brennan was the 13th round pick of the Blue Jays last year out of Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Uh, left-handed hitting outfielder slash first baseman so uh, really excited to get him on the pod and, and chat a little bit about him joining the organization and uh, just uh, overall becoming a Blue Jay in the past season yeah some really good insight from him especially even kind of inside baseball with him talking a bit about approach and the way that he's really kind of evolved as a player with the Blue Jays some of the stuff that he's done some of the work that he's done with the Blue Jays are really cool interview a really good opportunity to chat with him and get some insight on the development side of the blue jays uh, efforts yeah really exciting guy in the blue jay system out of the la- out of last year's draft class so that chat was super fun we'll uh, send you to that right now and then we'll be back after to talk a little bit of the latest in blue jays land we are very glad to be joined by a special guest today uh, Toronto Blue Jays prospect Brennan Orff. Brennan, thanks so much for taking the time to do this today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really so, appreciate uh, it. Yeah, yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, how's how's the off season been treating you so far? It's been going well. I've been basically in St. Louis majority of the time. I'm supposed to go down to um, Florida in about a week, but I wish it was this week because it's like negative outside St. Louis <laughs> right now. So. Yeah, I was actually going to ask if you guys were getting kind of the cold snap there as well, but it's uh, it's been crazy up here, just a, t- a ton of snow and everything like that. So yeah, yeah, it's hasn't been snowing that much, but it's been really, really cold. So not yeah. really enjoying it. Yeah, it'd be nice yeah. to get to, to get to Florida for sure. Yeah, how um, I mean, kind of for for you with making your de- debut in Dunedin last year, how did you kind of find the complex and and everything down there? Uh, you're talking about. The Dunedin complex. Yeah, or yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really nice. I mean, it's where they play spring training at the major league team. So I mean, the facilities are really nice, and uh, everything is need is there. The clubhouse is super cool. The stadium's really cool, and I mean, it's really close to the beach as well. And it's just really Sunday games were kind of a grind with how hot it got. But besides that, it was really nice. Brennan, obviously last year came out of the gate pretty strong, had a, had a really strong year. And and the thing that I think both of us were talking about before we hit the record button is, I mean, the eye kind of speaks for itself, the almost one-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio. We we appreciated good, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> take a splitter down away and uh, spit on it for a ball type of ball player. So for you, how long have you kind of had this kind of affinity for the strike zone? Uh, I felt like I had it for in high school. I think there's always like, as you move up levels, there's a little bit of an adjustment adjustment, with just like new pitchers and what pitches they can throw and everything like that. And every level takes a little bit. So I feel like I've had a good eye for the strike zone. And as the zone gets a little narrower from, you know, college to pro ball, I mean, it, I think it helped me out a little bit, but also, you know, People are pretty nasty and have to get used to that as well. Well, how how did you find that your first year playing affiliate, playing, you know, 
Well, how was it for you? I think it it went pretty well. You know, um, they kind of just threw me in the fire there. Like we didn't really talk about anything to improve or anything to do much before uh, I went to affiliate because we were in a we were in a draft camp and I left. I left basically right after that was over and that was basically just an introduction and just like tell you how the Blue Jays work as an organization. So I got there and there wasn't really much direction for me right there. It was just kind of like sink or swim moment, you know, try to figure it out. And, but after the season, they were telling me some things to improve and how, what to do. So I really appreciate that as well. For, for you, kind of kind of this offseason, I guess, kind of adding on to that, what, what has kind of been your focus with your training? Is that kind of like coming from the Blue Jays and um, kind of that stuff that they're telling you that, that you've been working on mostly this uh, this this winter? Yeah, I worked with uh, – I had – I went to Instructs for about a month right after the season, was staying in the complex, and uh, basically I was with Craig Perry, our hitting coordinator, almost every day, and – we were just talking about hitting and basically what I should try to do for this upcoming year. And a lot of it was just trying to be in my legs a little more and figure out what's the right position for my legs stride and everything like that. And I think, you know, it was very, it was a little awkward at first, but I think we pretty much figured it out and we'll see once we get going, I mean, probably going to be facing live hitter or, live pitchers here soon so see how it translates to that how how excited are you to get get get, get going yeah it should be really fun I mean I have this is my first like spring training I guess yeah. kind of thing so you know don't really have any expectations going in but like it should be pretty exciting trying to see as many great pitchers as I can really before the season starts Anybody, uh, maybe in particular, you're looking forward to, I guess, facing or anything like that, or even just meeting? Uh, I wouldn't say anything in particular, no one in particular. I mean, they're all just like, anyone I face is pretty cool. So it's just like, you know, I just want to have that experience and just really see everyone pitch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Going going back a little bit to last year, kind of with you and uh, being in the draft and being picked by the Blue Jays in the 13th round, what was the draft experience like for you? Were, were the Jays a team that you were kind of expecting to go to? Were they, were they a team that you'd been in contact with kind of in the, in the lead up to the draft? Yeah, they were the first team to contact me. Okay. Or I had, I guess, first team that I had like a Zoom call with. And that was in probably December. And... I mean, I didn't really hear much after that, except like where I was going to play summer ball and told them the draft league and stuff like that. But like it was actually in day two, I got a call from the Jays and it was like basically what I'd signed for. But I was like, you know, talk to my advisor and stuff like that because I, I didn't want to get into that. So, yeah. you know, once once that slipped day two, I was like, all right, they're probably out. But I guess uh took a chance on day three. So was really nice. I mean, I love the organization. I love what they've been doing. So it's really cool. So are are you like, do you, do you follow MLB much? Like kind of growing up, are you, you know, a, a, a big uh, Cardinals fan? Um, What, what, what was, are you kind of, kind of into to the whole baseball thing like that, or kind of just more something that you're, uh, you know, focused kind of on, on the field? Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, definitely during the, 
definitely when you grow up in St. Louis and like when I was a kid, it was like, you know, Albert Pools, yeah, Yachty and everyone like that. And, and it's like really hard not to be a huge baseball fan with everything going on there. It was very fortunate when I was growing up because they, I guess they went to the World Series like three times, won one of them or won two of them when I when I can remember. So, I mean, it was really, I really got into the game that way and just like really fell in love with it because there's always a, there's a special buzz around postseason baseball. You know, I mean, I, some sports, other sports have it, but I mean, I feel like there's something just special that gathers people together with it. Yeah, you, you guys over in St. Louis definitely spoiled with, I mean, Pujols and, and Yadi, of, of course, and a lot of postseason success. Uh, Bernard, I'd be curious to ask you, as far as this upcoming year, we spoke kind of a little bit about it, but what are you really looking to to really improve on and kind of, do, do you have any stated kind of goals this year? Uh, I don't think I have any stated goals or like stats wise it's just mainly just basically performing well over the whole course of the year I mean it's gonna be the most amount of games that I played in a year and um you know six it's gonna be six times a week seven times a week and I think it's more so like getting my body used to that and ready for that I mean I was only at the affiliate for I think four four weeks and like week two or three I was like oh wow this is a lot more than my body and everything's used to at the moment. So I think just trying to get used to that and also having a routine with just like everything hitting, waking up, what I eat and stuff like that, and just getting that down. It's just something that I need to do. And I think that will help on the, on the field stuff as well. Do you have uh, an, like any semblance of an idea kind of where, where you're going to start, like kind of thinking you're going to start back in Dunedin, any chance you start in Vancouver, kind of anything like that? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I mean, either either one would be nice. So, but uh, I haven't really got any details on that. I think they'll probably tell me once get in spring training and see how everything goes like that and when they finally make teams, so. Have you uh, have you had the chance to make it north of the border in any capacity, whether that is, you know, checking out Vancouver or even like Toronto, of course? I have not. So I yeah, when I got drafted, I had to renew my passport. I haven't been out of the country. <laughs> so it should be fun. I've heard very good things about both Toronto and Vancouver. I mean, I've heard Vancouver is beautiful and like it's kind of on like there's different islands and stuff like that. I don't know how specifically it works but looks like a cool place to to be at for a while so we we try to do a little bit of the the canadian baseball thing on this podcast as well and of course your your roommate at uh southern illinois there uh avery who was also mm -hmm. drafted this past year is from uh saskatoon do you have kind of like do you talk to him a little bit about saskatoon at all is that like a, a topic that came up a lot between you guys i mean we always talk about just we talk about him being from canada and stuff and just like his dad's from Ghana and his mom's from Canada and just like kind of crazy how like, you know, that kind of works with him. And like, I remember we were, he told me about it. And like when I got drafted, he FaceTimed me and he had a blue Jays hat on and like he's <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, he's, it's cool. Cause like when I was in the draft league, also I had a roommate from Canada 
And then my roommate on the road was Bryce Arnold for oh. uh um or the at home for the Dunedin Blue Jays. So it's like there's a lot of Canadian roommates over the years. I was like, I should have saw it coming. You know? It was meant to be. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Set it up perfectly. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about the draft league because it's something that I, I think the maybe general like baseball uh, fandom isn't very aware of. Um, so for, for you, like kind of what was behind your decision to, to go play in that league and how did you find uh, that that experience? Yeah, uh, I'd say I was a guy that was like, I was a mid-major guy, so I mean, going to the draft league or a high-up league was probably pretty important to see, like, different competition and wood bat and stuff like that to see if you could climb up the draft board or even get drafted. I wasn't sure where I was at before, but, uh, yeah, it was a cool experience. I mean, there's a lot of good guys up there. I think they probably about five or six guys got picked up or drafted this year from my team. Um, I remember, like, draft day, there's always – they're posting stuff on the MLB draft league that like people are getting picked up left and right. And I mean, it was a cool experience as well. There's a lot of uh, pro guys as well, just like working and who you played against. I mean, and also uh, we had the, I was fortunate enough to play. I don't know if you've seen him, but the Kasumba Dennis guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's on, he's on Twitter and stuff. Like he went to the Dubai league. He was, he was on my team, so I got to meet him and stuff like that. Nice. It's pretty cool. Just hear his story a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Um, kind of going from there to 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 pro ball, basically. What did you find to be just basically the the biggest adjustment from whether it be college or the draft league to to joining the affiliated ranks? Uh I feel like uh usually for college and like summer ball there's usually like a drop off at some point during like the weekend or stuff like that but I feel like a lot of pro teams or affiliate teams are uh pretty deep in their pitching and stuff like that so I mean every hit every AB is going to be a grind no matter what and as I talked about earlier just the the volume of games you know it's it's game every day it's like you gotta try to work on your swing while you're playing every day and stuff like that it's just trying to figure out what needs to be tinkered, how many swings are too much and stuff like that, you know. Can you uh, can you think of maybe, maybe sort of one moment that either synthesizes or or generally speaking that kind of speaks to maybe a welcome to pro ball moment? Uh, I know we saw, it was like my first week down there uh, with Jonathan Lazario. I think I'm saying that right for the Yankees was rehabbing and he pitched against us one game and I was like I was like <laughs> well, I've seen this guy you know on the show on the TV everything before fouled off a fastball and then second pitch he threw me a slider and I was like all right this is gonna end middle and it just kept coming in on me kept coming in it was like ended up black and just popped out I was like yeah I haven't seen a slider like that ever so that was a lot of fun but yeah, it's it's really cool. Like when these pro guys, even on our team, when they come rehab. I mean, my first week, Chad Green was rehabbing with us, and it was it's a really cool experience just to you know see him pitch and warm up and stuff like that. 
that that that's pretty cool i mean was there kind of anybody else around or that that you got to meet that what that was really cool for you like in in whether it's uh through the draft process or after it that was that was kind of like uh like i maybe not an on the field welcome to pro ball moment but something that was that was really cool to you that stood out about uh you know joining the organization or anything like that uh i mean i really can't pin down one moment i feel like there's been it's just so cool like you know when we get there and like there's all these people i mean it's a bit it's a bit overwhelming sometimes you know there's all these people they know you and you have no idea like what who they are at the moment and stuff like that but then you start to learn who they are and everything but yeah i wouldn't say there was one moment in particular but experience yeah. is crazy so I, I'm I'm curious too because obviously like Jory Jory asked you a little bit about it earlier like being very aware of the strike zone and everything like that. But for for you coming into pro ball, how were you able to you know you 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 mentioned it with like facing a guy like Luizaga where he's like so disgusting, right? And I, I imagine like most of the pitchers there are kind of like that step up. How are you able to to maintain that like really good approach in into pro ball? Is it just a just something that you don't really have to think about at this point or or is it something that you kind of had to control coming in where you're like I'm I'm I need to stay within myself and not chase even though you know I can imagine the temptation being there to to try and like prove yourself and get a little bit bigger and as you as you move up the ranks yeah I mean everyone throws a bit harder their stuff is a bit sharper but I mean sometimes that actually plays out better for you especially with the automated strike zone because it gives you less like indecisiveness you know it's just like all right he's throwing you know mid 90s upper 90s like has a wipeout slider if I see it like I know it's going to be a ball or my body won't be able to react in time kind of thing so it's like that's basically how it is so how I think about it. if if my body's not able to react to it really well then it's probably not in the strike zone so just try to set up in that stance and make sure like I can get to the outside but like anything more my body's going to be like reaching for it or anything like that yeah the same on the inside it's like if I feel like I'm going to get handcuffed it's probably a ball as well yeah yeah that's super interesting I mean for for you if you were to kind of obviously like the the chase rate and the walk rate stuff like all really stands out but uh for you you know like coming in out of your senior year in high um sorry in college is like super impressive where you or your junior year sorry your your draft season um super impressive you know like a ton of power a hit for average on base like all conference player um coming in how would you kind of describe your your overall approach at the plate like I'm obviously like you just kind of described like what you're looking for pitch wise, but, but for you as a player, like just kind of the whole package, what would you kind of describe yourself as to blue Jays fans? Uh, I'd say approach wise, you know, I'm always trying to be on time for the fastball. I think that's very important for a lot of hitters. I mean, if you're, and I try to go off that, you know, um, so I'll try to be, I'll think like, all right, fastball, maybe middle, middle in. And if I'm down and on time for that, and then I'll be able to hit the other way. But also, like, when I'm down and ready for that, I try to think, like, the opposite gap as well. Like, I want to be down on time for the inside fastball, but I want to try to hit the other way a little bit. So I just try to kind of blend those, make sure, you know, I'm not doing too much of one or the other. Because, I mean, if you think inside fastball too much, you can kind of get – 
too much spin rotation kind of thing, pull off a lot of rollovers. And if you think the other way, then you can get, you know, jammed, jammed a lot, you know, not, not very powerful trying to push balls and stuff like that. So just trying to blend those. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, I guess that's kind of everything that, that I had laid out. I mean, Jory, if you're, if you're all good, I, uh, Brennan, we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. It was uh, a pleasure to get to speak with you and uh, we wish you the best of luck this season. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Best of luck to you guys uh, with this podcast and everything. Yeah. Th thanks, man. I appreciate, really appreciate it. it. All right. We are back. Thanks again to Brennan for joining us. That was super fun. Really enjoyed getting the chance to chat with him. Um, really excited to see, see how he does this year. Yeah, I, I would be curious where he'll be playing next year. We spoke a little bit about him. He didn't quite have anything to, to say on that, but would not be shocked if we see uh, Brennan make his way up to the high minors if his first stint of pro ball is any indication. Yeah, I mean, you, you look into the numbers a little bit from, from him at Dunedin, and, you know, he's 224, 439, 308 slash, and just obviously, like, we we kind of beating a dead horse at this point, but obviously, like, the OBP stuff is crazy. So um, he had a 13% chase rate in, in his debut at, at Dunedin. So so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pushed him to Vancouver, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he started in Dunedin. So. Yeah, sneaky, sneaky name in the Jays' farm, which – Maybe doesn't have the headliners outside of, you know, Tiedemann and Martinez, but there are definitely guys that you kind of like for various reasons. Yeah, I, I think we, we've kind of had this chat, but I mean, the, the Blue Jay system obviously doesn't quite have the the top end guys, like the, the top 100 types, like there's probably like two or three at this point. But um, it's really, it's getting deeper. Like the system is pretty deep overall when you go down and, and you know, I mean, we kind of saw the results of that this past year with like Schneider and Horowitz coming up. So I think he's just a, an, another guy that fits into that with a chance to, to really pop pop over the next couple of years for sure. Yeah. And, and advanced in, in all kind of relative situations, given, you know, he's 22 and if he can accelerate his development, he's a guy that maybe not this year, but in the moderate to near future, and the Jays have a couple guys like that. Obviously, you've got, you know, the big names, a guy like Nimala or, of course, Barreo, or maybe a little further away, given that they're a little younger. But the Jays have done a pretty good job, I believe, as far as finding some college guys that can contribute. So look for any number of those guys to be making their way up the minors. Yeah, well, speaking of the minor league system today, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a big day in uh... – those are big day for those who are big fans of prospects and keeping tabs on the farm system as it is the international free agency signing day and the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Uh, not quite the same spending pool as they had last year when they spent uh, 4.1 million on Emmanuel Bonilla, but uh, 5.1 this year. And uh, you can read Shai Davidi's article at Sportsnet where they kind of spread it around a little bit, grabbing a couple, of, I guess, a headlining the class are uh franklin rojas a catcher and uh junior arias so you know it, it's hard to like make much of these guys because they're 16 17 years old and they're going to be in the dominican league for for you know at least this year maybe next year depends on obviously how things go but um yeah super exciting to to get a bunch of new guys into the system and and uh add them that way yeah i mean you want to look at an obvious example Vlad Guerrero Jr. They signed in 2015. 
and took until 2019 to make it to the big leagues. And he was a pretty exceptional prospect, right? So a lot of these guys, almost close to a decade out, maybe not quite that long, but you're looking long-term with these guys. But uh, you mentioned uh, Shai Davidi's article, uh, the Blue Jays' Andrew Tinnish spoke at length, it sounds like, with regards to uh, Junior Arias and, and his thoughts on him. And it sounds like there's a lot of athletic prowess there. There's, there's some excitement there as far as his explosiveness, his ability to maybe play a premium position in center field. So some guys to look out for, but also maybe uh, maybe temper expectations, given that these guys cannot legally drink uh, in Quebec, never mind Ontario. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm, you know, this obviously isn't like necessarily totally related to the class of guys that they're bringing in, but shy. Uh, drops drops a little nugget towards the end in regards to Warlin Soto, where he says uh, a deliberate push by the Blue Jays to better balance out the handedness in their farm system. So, um, you know, we just spoke to a promising left-handed hitter. So that might be something that we might see a little bit more of in the years to come where the team is, uh, if they're actually deliberately looking to add lefties in in, in the system. Yeah, well, that's on the hitting side on the pitching side it kind of sounds like they're in the mix for a certain lefty and we can get into that as far as all these uh blake snell rumors how what do you make of them because i don't know how i feel about that they uh what's the difference between quietly monitoring a free agent market and loudly monitoring a free agent market uh loudly monitoring a free agent market would be calling up ken rosenthal and being like hey kenny long time no speak it's going well and uh we're going to sign blake snell and hanging up the phone and waiting for the tweet storm or or it would be tracking an airplane and uh telling john morosi about it (laughs) man that feels so Uh, long i don't know how much (laughs) i know it's like ancient history at this point i don't know how much i see how blake snell fits into the Blue Jays plans. They have six starters right now already. And that's basically putting Alec Manoa as your as your fifth guy. And then like Tiedemann is maybe a guy. You you have a bit of a log jam right now as far as pitching goes. So I'm not ex- exactly sure where Snell fits in here. Yeah, I I I think it makes sense from if you want to make an impact addition. Um, Blake Snell is probably the best player remaining on the market. Is that fair to say? I, I think that's probably unless fair to say. unless you want to include Bellinger, maybe. But I mean, as far as upside goes, I feel like Snell's upside, even though you know it's been two MVP years sandwiched between a bunch of so 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 so, so years, or or rather Cy Young years. Uh, it's it's kind of those two, right? Those so if the Jays want to make a headlining move, Snell seems like about as realistic an opportunity as you're gonna find, but kind of feels a little bit like a bit of a redundancy. Not that that stopped the Blue Jays for the rest of this offseason, as far as picking up guys that are kind of a bit of a mirror image with pre-existing roles. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you can get a guy like Blake Snell that, you know, Alec Manoa at the bottom of your rotation or you say Kikuchi at the bottom of your rotation shouldn't stop you from from making that addition. And for, for him, like, I mean, obviously, you know, the walks thing um, is, is a little bit would be helped by how good the Blue Jays defense is, right? So, you know. Well, what would it? Because obviously if the Jays defense is so strong, you're playing with guys that play to contact. But if Snell's not going to throw strikes and going to avoid contact, 
I feel like that's a little bit almost counterintuitive to how it would best be able to utilize him, if that makes sense. I mean, I mean, like, you know, any pitcher that, that walks a bunch of guys, like it, it's not gonna, like having a, a good defense, like is going to help any pitcher. So it's, it's not really, I guess, exclusive to Snell, well, but as, as for like, you, you know, like if he walks Snell a guy. Is, Snell is so dependent on strikeouts and walks. So would that not make him almost like the exact opposite of what the Jays are looking for? I mean, like, I, I, I don't think it hurts. Like, obviously like a guy who, you know, gives up a lot of, balls in play is going to be helped by the defense but it's it's not like you know that the, you turn down a guy who strikes out a bunch of people because you're like oh our defense is so good you know yeah. i um yeah like i mean i would really like the ad like he, he's obviously very good i think the length thing is is a little bit overblown like he he pitched into the sixth inning 21 times last year you know like kevin yeah. gosman pitched into the sixth inning 23 times last year yeah. So, like, I mean, if you want to make that comparison, like, you know, he can get you six for sure. Like, obviously, he didn't go beyond six all that much, but at, at least he, you know, twenty-one times into the six, like, it's that's like a to- around a top thirty number as as yeah. far as like MLB starters go, and it's it's you know kind of in the same territory as like Dylan C. Spencer Strider. So that you know kinda, obviously kind of makes sense. Same same type of pitchers there um yeah like i said gosman only did it 23 times sunny gray only did it 22 times um bradish was 21 like zach eflin 20 kodai senka 20 so you know like it's not like he's totally out of his depth because obviously i see a lot on twitter and people are like oh he'll only be able to get you four innings but i i that's that's obviously not quite true well yeah you're gonna get a guy that's in the same ballpark as a bunch of other quality pitchers because he's a quality pitcher listen i mean you know, I'm talking about this doesn't make sense for the Blue Jays from a stylistic standpoint. It's Blake Snell. You get Blake Snell on your team, you're happy, right? But I just wonder if I'm the Blue Jays, if you're just putting so much investment into your defense that grabbing a guy that doesn't use his defense very much uh, just doesn't fit the MO of this front office. Maybe they just want a guy that has a bit of a different look. You know, they've got Kikuchi, who's a fireball or lefty. Obviously, Snell those gas too but he's not really in the same stratosphere i would say in terms of velocity right he's he's a little bit kind of a couple of ticks below kikuchi so there i wouldn't describe them as the same type of pitcher no i mean snell is like just so unique like i i don't i don't even know if there's like anybody that's really that comparable to him as yeah. far as as far as that goes so you know he'd be a uh He'd be a fun ad, and obviously it's it's all about the offense at this point. And when we recorded on the weekend, we were like, oh, Jorge Soler is about to sign. And I don't even – has there even been a baseball signing since uh, since we last recorded? Uh, it's been a lot of whispers, a lot of rumbles, not a lot of pen to paper as far as I can tell. But, what I was, mean, that's about to be expected. It's the middle of January, right? What was the last – I guess Jordan Hicks was the last signing. but I think so, which tells you just about all you need to know about the state of <laughs> – MLB's off that uh Jeff pass an article where he's like ah things will open up after the arbitration deadline well well so much for that not so much it's cr- like quite. when when do you think all these guys are gonna sign it's gonna eventually ha- like maybe beginning of February I'm trying to think back because obviously the like prime example of an off season nothing happening was the Machado and Harper year. Yeah. where Harper was on the cover of MLB The Show and they went without a cover <laughs> until probably late February almost. So 
if that's what it's going to be, maybe it drags on into, you know, the early parts of February. But the way that the the league has structured spending as well, I think that was something that was really addressed. Last CBA, I cannot imagine that players are going to be particularly keen to sit around until basically spring training. Yeah, it's... uh. I, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I mean, obviously everybody makes, makes a lot about Boris being the, the, the agent who's, you know, he's everybody's agent at, at this point, basically. So like, who knows? It's, it's hard to really say, I guess it'll be, you know, it's just a matter of whoever blinks first. Yeah. Which in, in this case, you would think eventually a guy like a Bellinger and, and we heard a lot as well during, I think it was Cubs con, a lot of the players asking to bring back Bellinger. So it's not like there isn't pressure coming from not only the fan base from across Major League Baseball. I would I would figure that things will pick up, but we're in a bit of a dead zone right now. Before we get out of here, um, Blake Snell, what would you give him as far as a contract if you're the Blue Jays? If I'm the Blue Jays? So I'll, I'll, think... so the the... Fangraphs, or sorry, yeah, Fangraphs projection has him at 5-140. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think you're probably looking at the Kevin Gosman deal as a floor, which is 5, what, 580 or 4? It's, he was, it's he was not quite triple digits. Is it 110? Okay, it's 5-110. I know it was about 22 per year. I just couldn't remember if it was 4 or 5 years. But I think that's realistically your floor. You're probably going 10 to 15 over that at the bare minimum. So you're probably looking at 5 125 five ish i think that if you're talking five 125 you're probably happy if you're going beyond five years with blake snell you're starting to get into some sketchy territory as as would be the case with basically any major league pitcher any 31 year old pitcher yes exactly right and then if we're talking you know aav i think that the blue jays could comfortably land in that 25 range but Again, we just saw they were willing to spend a boatload and then some on Otani, and Snell is not Otani, but they clearly have the financial resources to go out and get a guy and spend some money. So if they're interested in getting Blake Snell, they can get Blake Snell. Take the – however you want to value the contract, not seven seven hundred million, like like we'll say uh, $456 because that's – Whatever, CBT purposes, $456 million contract that Otani get. You take that money and you spread it between a pitcher who profiles similar to Shohei Otani, perhaps like Blake Snell. Like if you close your eyes and squint really hard, then you can <laughs> kind of see it. If you close one eye and then close the other eye. <laughs> you can you can imagine them kind of being the same. So you take uh well, I mean, I guess Blake Snell was a better pitcher than Shohei Otani this year. So you take that four hundred fifty-six million and you get Blake Snell. And then you take the 200 million that you got left over and you get a hitter who was just like Shohei Otani. And uh, so I guess you'd have to trade for Jordan Alvarez or something. Yeah. Yeah. You moneyball it, right? You built him in the aggregate by going and getting Jordan Alvarez and Blake Snell. Sounds very doable. Uh, Yeah, that would be that. <laughs> I, I don't think I, that argument is is okay until you get to the point where you're like, oh, we need to add another player like that as well. <laughs> it starts to fall apart yeah yeah well um i mean that's that's pretty much it that's all the, the news that we've gotten recently i mean international free agency and uh a the jays are quietly monitoring blake snell i'm also 
quietly monitoring my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was, what what are you quietly monitoring in your life right now? Yeah. Uh, lots of things. So uh yeah. Anyways, well, uh that'll do it for us here today at the Bird's Eye View Podcast. Thanks again to Brennan Orf for joining us. Uh you can follow him on Twitter at Brennan underscore Orf. You can follow us on Twitter. The pod is at B E V underscore pod. Jory is at J Negan Schechter. I'm at Warden underscore Zach. Uh, make sure you follow and subscribe to the pod on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to our Substack. We'll be writing some stuff over there in the next couple months slash weeks slash. Well, I'll leave it at weeks, perhaps not days. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and uh, follow and leave a review wherever you get your pods. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.